Let's thank the Lord for Kayla and the choir and the band and the praise team. Thank you, Kayla. Thank you, choir. Listen, I don't know how the preaching is going to be, but the singing has been real good. Amen? That has been great. And that song, uh, when I got saved, when Elizabeth and I got saved, Andre Crouch was uh, a rising star back in the day. And I had every Andre Crouch album, and that song has always been a blessing in my life. And I think it's kind of fitting, David, because uh, that song, when I closed my eyes, reminded me of the two years that our congregation worshiped here with you at the First Baptist Church. I said with you because when we first started, it was just Franklin Avenue at 7.30 a.m. We didn't have a church to worship in. We had nine feet of water in our church. And uh, called David one day. I was in Alabama. I said, man, I need a favor. And I, he said, what's that? I said, we need a, some of our folk are coming back. Our church nine feet of water. We need a place to worship. And he said, uh, uh, well, y'all can glad to, welcome to come after our service. I say, well, the problem is uh, I've already committed to Estruma Baptist Church for 1 o'clock service for our folk who are in Baton Rouge. I need an early service uh, at First Baptist, if at all possible. And uh, he said, well, what about 7.30? I said, 7.30 would be great. He said, but y'all need to be out at 8.30. I said, well, Houston, we have a problem. I said, David, Franklin Avenue is a black church. There's no way a black church can be finished worship in one hour. I, I told him that, guy. I told him that. I told him that. But we did it, man. For two years, we had a one-hour service here at, Frank, at uh, First Baptist. And we'll, so God just meshed our congregation together. Many of you started coming to our worship service at 730. Many of our folks started going to y'all worship service at, the, at, at 930. And uh, uh, our women started doing Betmore Bible studies with your women. Our men started going to the men's prayer breakfast at Brother West. And still do that to this day. And uh, uh, it just was a great, great partnership. So when Kayla and the choir sung that song of Take Me back, I went back to that time uh, of this, uh, the two greatest years of our lives. And First Baptist, you will never, ever, ever know, probably until y'all get to heaven, how much this church meant to us during those years when we didn't have a place to worship. And y'all opened y'all doors, and I asked David, I said, David, get with the leadership, uh, get with the trustees, whoever, and let us know how much uh, y'all want uh, to let us use the building. And they say nothing. I say nothing. I say, man, this is crazy. Y'all let us come to y'all church. They gave us offices in the back to worship in. And uh, you guys have just been a tremendous blessing. And of course, David became the best of buddies in my, in my life, man. And matter of fact, he and I would go down in history together because when I was uh, considering running for the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, I was told that I needed someone to nominate me. And, uh, and my first thoughts were, was David Crosby. And, uh, and David, there here in New Orleans, when the convention was here, did a phenomenal job. I think your, your nomination really won the election from you, brother. Amen. And, uh, and, uh, and he and I will go down in history uh, as he nominated me, and I became the first African-American president of the Southern Baptist Convention here in New Orleans. So I appreciate that so very much, and thank God for every last one of you. We continue to send our prayers to you as you hopefully continue to pray for us, but I just wanted to just publicly again thank you so very much. I know the last time when we, when we, we left here, I cried through the whole sermon because of how much this church have meant to me and they still do, and I appreciate so very much 
all that you guys have done. So we learned so much from y'all uh, in the two years that we were here that we still doing today. Guy in the, in the, in the ministry, uh, uh, the multimedia ministry, going on the internet, we didn't do any of that, man. And uh, shorten our service. We couldn't get it to hour. We're now at an hour and a half. But at least we, we at least, because before we were two hours. So at least we're now at an hour and a half. Amen. And uh, But we, I just thank the Lord and you guys will ever remain uh, special to us. Uh, some of you uh, were not here two and a half years ago, I mean back in 2006, 2008, so some of you don't know who I'm in love with, and I love the little folk knew who I'm in love with, she's the love of my life, the apple of my eye, my prime real, my good thing, my wife Elizabeth, will you stand Elizabeth, that's my wife, amen. And I just came back from a week in uh, Hawaii. Her birthday was uh, Tuesday, Valentine's Day. That's why she's so sweet. She was born on Valentine's Day. And, uh, and David texted me on Monday and said, Fred, I need your information uh, for your sermon, your text. I said, man, I'm in Hawaii. I didn't bring any sermon information at all, man. And so, and so we just got back uh, last, uh, last night, yesterday evening, and, uh, and uh, text David last night. I said, I hope it's not too late, man. But we had a great time in Hawaii and uh, just thank the Lord for the privilege and opportunity to be here with you on this morning. Turn your Bibles with me this morning to the Gospel of St. Luke chapter 11 as we share today in the Word of God. The Gospel of St. Luke chapter 11. When I got the program this morning and walked into the service, I read this ministry reflection from your pastor, my friend David Crosby, and the first line of the ministry reflection says, I'm calling our church to prayer. I'm calling our church to prayer. And that is something that I think every pastor needs to call their church to, and that's call our church to prayer. And my sermon this morning deals with prayer. And the question I want to ask you this morning as I read this reflection, there's a lot of things that the pastor is calling this church to prayer about with the new building, the new construction, more room for the children, more room for the adults, or more for teaching, and more room for the youth. Uh, all of that is uh, prevalent on the fact of us praying as a congregation that God's will will be done as we raise the funds uh, here at First Baptist Church to build the building and to do all the things that needs to be done. And all of that is going to happen as a result of prayer. The question of the hour is, how does that all come together? How can we be assured as believers, as sons and daughters of God, of making sure that our prayers are answered by God? Kind of glad you had that. Kind of frees me up to give you the answer. Luke chapter 11, I want you to look at with me verses 1 through 10 of that chapter. The Gospel of St. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 10 of that chapter. If you have it, please say amen. amen. Matter of fact, y'all can say amen off the top of my sermon. I'm kind of used to it. Y'all know what I'm talking about, all right? Amen. You'll find these similar words. Now, it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he sees that one of his disciples said to him, Lord... Teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, our, give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Verse 5. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut, 
and my children are with me in bed, I cannot rise to give you. Verse 8, I said to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. 9 and 10 is where I will conclude. So I said to you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Our Father and our God, Master, we thank you and we praise you for this wonderful privilege and opportunity that you've given me to be back in this pulpit of this beloved First Baptist Church of New Orleans. Thank you for Kayla and the choir and the band and the uh, musicians, God. Thank you for all that was said and song, God. Thank you for the time of fellowship. Thank you for some familiar faces and for new faces, God. Thank you for the privilege of standing to preach your word. Now, God, do as I ask every time I stand to preach. And that is, God, let me decrease as you increase. Father, let them not see Fred, but God, let them see Christ. So then, God, that you may be glorified, the saints of God may be edified. Satan may be horrified, and lost sinners will come to repentance. Therefore, God, stand in my body, think with my mind, speak with my voice. And I'll be so very careful to give your name all the praise, all of the glory, and all of the honor. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake. Again, the people of God say amen. So I also say to you, ask and it shall be given, seek and you shall find, knock and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives, and to he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. On the strength of this text, on the strength of this uh, uh, scripture, on the strength of the message that your pastor has written as far as ministry reflections and calling the church to prayer, I want to preach this morning from the subject, the key to answered prayer. The key to answered prayer. To become a Christian is one of the greatest decisions that you will ever make, Brother Belange, in your life. Whereas to become a born-again believer is one of the greatest decisions you will ever make in your life. John, to become a follower of Jesus Christ is one of the greatest decisions that you can ever make in your life. Because once you become a Christian, once you become a born-again believer, once you become a follower of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then ladies and gentlemen, you automatically become a part of the family of God. Let me say that again. Once you become a Christian, once you become born-again believer, once you become a follower of Jesus Christ, then you automatically become a part of the family of God. And David, one of the one of, and, and, and once you become a part of the family of God, you have direct access to a number of privileges because you're a part of the family. And I need to say that again. Once you become a part of the family of God, as a result of that, you have direct access, Keith, direct access to a number of privileges simply because you're part of the family. For example, before our son Chip uh, married our daughter-in-law Jasmine, or before our daughter Kimberly married our son-in-law Howard, both of them were strangers, Jasmine and Howard, to Elizabeth and myself. Jasmine was a young lady that uh, grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, who uh, Chip met when she came to New Orleans to attend Xavier University. Howard was a young man who grew up in Boxburg, Mississippi, uh, who Kimberly met in Birmingham, Alabama, when she attended Sanford University. They were strangers to Elizabeth and I before that we met them, and they married our son and married our daughter. However, now that they are married to our son and daughter, Jasmine and Howard are no longer strangers to us. They're now part 
of the Luther family. And because they're part of the Luther family, they have direct access to the privileges of being part of the Luther family. For example, when Jasmine or, 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 or Howard come to our home, Sam, they no longer have to knock at the door or ring the doorbell to come in. No, now that they're part of the family, they have direct access to a door key that they can let themselves into our home because they're part of the family. Uh, uh, when, when they're at our home, uh, when they get hungry, they no longer have to ask permission to go into the refrigerator or go into the kitchen cabinet to get something to eat or drink. Why? Because now they're part of the family. If they get tired of sleeping uh, uh, and, and they no longer have to ask permission to go lay down and take a nap in one of the bedrooms. Why? Because now that they're part of the family of God, they have the privilege of going and lay down uh, and take a nap in one of the bedrooms. If we're watching TV and they want to change the channel and watch something else, then they must ask me first. <laughs> because I control the remote control in my house. And all the men that control the remote control in your house say amen. Not many of y'all said it. Okay, guys. I'm praying for y'all. Every man needs to control the remote control in their house. Jabbing and Howard's privileges, David, stop with the remote control. But seriously, ladies and gentlemen, as a Christian, as a believer, as a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, uh, as a part of the family of God, you and I have direct access to a number of privileges just because we're part of the family of God. And one of those privileges, First Baptist, that God gives to every child of God is the privilege of prayer. Sam, prayer is how we communicate with God. Prayer is how we talk to God. And all throughout the Bible, God encourages his sons and daughters to call on him in prayer. For instance, Matthew 7 and 7 says, Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. Matthew 21 and 22 says, In all things, whatever you shall ask in prayer, believe, and you shall receive. Matthew 26 and 41 say, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Luke 18 and 1 says that men should always pray and not faint. First Thessalonians 5 and 17 says, pray without ceasing. John 15 and 7 says, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, then Andrew ask what you will and it shall, John, be done unto you. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, God encourages us to pray. God invites us to pray. God wants us to pray. Prayer is a privilege granted to every child of God, just like the disciples in our text here in Luke chapter 11. In verse 1 of Luke chapter 11, Jesus' disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. There was something about Jesus' prayer life. There was something about how Jesus talked to God. There was something about how Jesus communicated with God that his disciples came to him one day and said, teach us how to do that. We, we, we've heard you in the Garden of Gethsemane. We, we've heard you communicate with God. We've heard you. Can you teach us how to pray? That's what the Bible said there in verse 1. I came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Then in verses 2 through 4, he shares with them what we call the model prayer 
that all of us pray as believers. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. Uh, for we are also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from uh, the evil one. And then First Baptist Jesus does something very special to his disciples. Uh, Jesus does something special for these followers of Jesus Christ. And that is, First Baptist, he gives the disciples an illustration of what answered prayer looks like. He said, listen, I'm not going to teach you how to pray. I'm going to give you an illustration of what answered prayer looks like. So in verses 5 through 10, Jesus gives these disciples an illustration of what answered prayer looks like. Therefore, I want us as current day disciples to peek in on the lesson that Jesus taught his hand-picked disciples about the key to answered prayer. There are several things I want you to see in this illustration about answered prayer. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, if this new construction project is going to become a reality, if the thing that Pastor Crosby has written on his ministry reflection is going to become reality in the life of this church, it has to start in prayer. And if it's going to come to pass, we have to have answers to our prayer. Therefore, brothers and sisters, if our prayers are going to be answered in your life and my life, there are several things or there are several principles that must be a part of your prayer and my prayer life to God. So I want to show you these things real quickly and then we're out here. First of all, if our prayers are going to be answered, number one, it must be a peculiar prayer. If our prayers are going to be answered, it must be a peculiar prayer. Look at verses 5 and 6 of Luke chapter 11. The Bible says, the scripture said, the word of God says, And Jesus said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and go to him at midnight, and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on this journey, and I have nothing, I have nothing to set before him. If answer prayer is going to be answered, it must be a peculiar prayer. A peculiar prayer is a strange prayer. A peculiar prayer is an odd prayer. A peculiar prayer is an unusual prayer. A peculiar prayer is an uncommon prayer. It's not an everyday prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray to the Lord. No, 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 no. It's not a self-righteous prayer. God, Lord, bless me, my wife, my son, my daughter, us four, and no more. No, 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 no. It's not a general prayer. God bless everybody in America except the Atlanta Falcons fans. Just, you know, just, I heard that amen. Praise the Lord. I, I, I'm so glad they lost the Super Bowl, man. I could not deal with some of my friends. It was close, though, God. They had a 25 per leader. I said, oh, no, I'm going to have to hear this all year. But thank God Tom Brady, New England Patriots came back, amen, and beat the Atlanta Falcons. Dirty birds lost the Super Bowl. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This was a peculiar prayer. This was a strange prayer. This was an odd prayer. This was an unusual prayer. But this was an uncommon prayer. This prayer was peculiar because this man was walking the street when people normally are in bed. The Bible say it's midnight. It's peculiar not only because this man was walking the street at midnight, but he was also begging for bread at midnight. 
midnight. Buddha, this is peculiar. He's walking the street at midnight. Then he's begging for bread at midnight. This was peculiar not only because this man was walking the street at midnight. This was peculiar not only because this man was begging for bread at midnight, but also, Keith, this was peculiar because this man was begging for bread at midnight to feed somebody else. It wasn't for his own kids. It wasn't for his own sons or daughters. It wasn't for his wife. It wasn't for his own. He was asking, walking at midnight, knocking on somebody else's door for bread to feed somebody else. And finally, this was peculiar because this man goes to another man's house at midnight who has his own family and asks for not one, not two, but this ain't too proud to beg, brother. Asks for, some of y'all know that, the temptation. Some of y'all know that, huh? But this brother asked for, count him, three loaves of bread. My Lord, David, what kind of sandwich was this brother making? That he needed not one, he needed three loaves of bread. Brothers and sisters, this was a peculiar request. However, ladies and gentlemen, you know what I've discovered? Particularly since Hurricane Katrina, I've discovered that sometimes in order to receive from God, sometimes your prayer needs to be peculiar. I've discovered that every now and then, in order to get what you need to get from God, every now and then your prayers need to be peculiar. Zacchaeus' prayer was peculiar. When Zacchaeus ran and climbed up in the sycamore tree, there because he sought to see Jesus Christ. Blind Bartimaeus was peculiar. When he came on the roadside blind, he heard that Jesus was passing by, and he called out Jesus. He didn't have eyesight, but he had insight, and said, Jesus, while on others thou art calling, don't pass me by. Paul and Silas were peculiar. Because while they were in prison, the Bible said they began to pray and they began to say to Almighty God. The woman with the issue of blood was peculiar when in spite of her conditions, she prays to press through the crowd and she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. Oh, brothers and sisters, when it comes to answer prayer, sometimes it's got to be strange. Sometimes it's got to be unusual. Sometimes it's got to be uncommon. Sometimes it's got to be peculiar. When you in pain. Uh, you, you don't have time to be proper when you're hurting. You don't have time to be holier than thou. When you're suffering, you don't have time to be superficial. When you're caught up in bad choices, you don't have time to be cute. Uh, when you're being attacked by the enemy, you don't have time to go AWOL. You need redemption. You need redemption from God. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, when the enemy is attacking your body and attacking your marriage and attacking your family and attacking your finances, you don't have to worry about what other people are going to say. Uh, you need an answer from God. Uh, you don't care what day it is. Uh, you don't care what time it is. Uh, you don't care who else is around. Uh, you don't care what somebody else is going to think. Uh, when you come to the altar, when you come to bow down at the altar, it doesn't matter who's listening. doesn't matter who's watching because you need to hear from God. Uh, you'll throw your hands up in the air and say, Father, I stretch uh, my hands to thee. Uh, no other help I know. Uh, if thou withdraw thyself from me, where shall I go? When you're going through difficult times in life, every now and then, your prayers need to be peculiar. It's me. It's me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my mother, not my father, not my sister, not my brother, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. But not only must our prayers, if they're going to be answered, be peculiar prayers. But secondly, if our prayers are going to be answered, 
there also must be a persistent prayer. Not only a peculiar prayer, but a persistent prayer. Look at verses 7 and 8 of Luke chapter 11. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. Verse 8, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, watch this, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him not one, not two, not three, but as many as he needs. Ladies and gentlemen, if prayer is going to be answered, sometimes it's got to be a peculiar prayer. But then secondly, prayer is going to be answered, sometimes it's got to be a persistent prayer. Many of the homes in biblical time, if you've ever done a study of those homes in the Bible, many of those homes had a common sleeping area where the entire family slept in this common sleeping area. So that if one person got up and lit a lamp uh, to walk, to go to the restroom, then everybody in the house would be disturbed. That's what he said in verse 7. Look what he says. And he would answer from within and say, don't trouble me. The door is now shut. And my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise to give you. He said, man, if I get up, everybody's going to be disturbed. However, the peculiar brother would not take no for an answer. The Bible said he kept on knocking. He kept on asking. He would not stop. He would not give up. So much so that Jesus said in verse 8, I said to you, though he would not rise and give to him because he is his friend, and beca yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he need. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, notice this man did not get up because the peculiar man was his friend. No, he got up and gave the man what he asked simply because the man was persistent. He was persistent. He was relentless. He was bold. He insisted. He continued. He was steadfast. He was determined. He would not give up. First Baptist brothers and sisters, what about you and what about me? Have God ever moved on your behalf because you wouldn't give up? Have God ever moved in your situation, in your marriage, in your family, in your ministry, because you would not give up? Have God ever made a way out of nowhere in your life because you simply refused to throw in the towel? You simply refused to quit. And that can be the problem with many of us when it comes to answer prayer. Many of us give up too easy. Many of us give up too soon. Think about it. We stay longer at a football game than we do in prayer. We stay longer at a soccer game than we do in prayer. We stay longer at a baseball game than we do in prayer. Can I be real for a minute? We stay longer at the bingo hall than we do in prayer, at the blackjack table, at the racetrack, at the casino. Uh, I guess that only happens at Franklin Avenue. Don't worry about that. Y'all just, because ain't nobody said amen there. I mean, I'm, in, I'm in the wrong church, David. I, I apologize. Just rewind the tape and just erase that part off, all right? If we could only be that persistent in prayer, think about all the things that we have, uh, 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 that's what we have a passion about. The time doesn't matter. 
How long doesn't matter. God says sometimes you need to have that same attitude when it comes to your prayer life. Sometimes we must be determined like Jacob in Genesis chapter 32. The Bible said Jacob wrestled with God all night long because he was persistent. Jacob told the Lord, I will not let you go until you bless me. If we have to wrestle all night, if we have to wrestle all night, I will not let you go until you bless me. And ladies and gentlemen, that needs to be our prayer to God. Every last one of us in here, even me, Lord, even me, let the showers of blessings fall upon me. I'm not worthy, but bless me. I make some mistakes, but bless me. Don't always do it as I should, but bless me. Don't always read my Bible like I should. Don't always attend church like I should. But God bless me. While on others thou art calling, God don't pass me by. Any way you have to do it, God, bless me. Any way, bless me. While on others, God, thou art calling, thou art blessing, God don't pass me by. And yes, my brothers and sisters, our prayer life sometimes must be persistent. Don't give up so soon. Don't give up on God. Pray and pray persistently until you get the answer from God that you need. One of the things I love so much about my wife Elizabeth is that she has a prayer life that puts me to shame, David. My wife has a prayer life that puts me to shame. My wife gets up every morning at 5 o'clock a.m. and prays. Prays for me, prays for our kids, prays for our church, prays for my family, prays for her family. If she has people on her uh, journal, she'll pray for her. She'll call them out by name. And every now and then she'll come to me, she'll say, Fred, you know, baby, it would be real good if both of us would get up at 5 o'clock and pray. I said, baby, Jesus ain't up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I said, I'll get up when Jesus get up about 8 o'clock. Amen? Her prayer life is persistent. Even this past week, man, we're in paradise. We're in Hawaii. I didn't set my alarm clock not one morning, but every morning at 5 o'clock, she got up to pray because her prayer life is persistent. I have no doubt that I am the man I am today, the husband I am today, the father I am today, the preacher I am today because of the prayers of my wife. Somebody prayed for you and you and you and you. Somebody had you on their mind. They took the time out to pray. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad that they prayed for me. Every now and then, your prayers must be persistent. But then there's one last thing, and we bid you good morning. Again, David, thank you for this privilege. If answered prayer is going to become a reality in your life and my life, in your ministry and my ministry, prayer, it must be a peculiar prayer. It must be a persistent prayer. And then finally, it must be a perpetual prayer. It must be a perpetual prayer. Look at verses 9 and 10 of the text. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. It must be a perpetual prayer. Perpetual means it must be a faithful prayer. It must be a regular prayer. It must be a constant prayer. It must be a repeated prayer, continuing without interruption. It must be a perpetual means to keep on doing what you're doing. 
to keep on doing what you're doing. That's what Jesus meant here in verses 9 and 10. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Keep on waiting. If it don't happen in a week, keep on asking. If it don't happen in two weeks, keep on praying. If it don't happen in three weeks, keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Keep on waiting. Why? He gives us the answer in verse 10. Because everyone who acts receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, a door will be opened. First Baptist, ladies and gentlemen, be perpetual about every prayer request that you make to God. Perpetual prayer about that sickness. Perpetual prayer about that relationship. Perpetual prayer about that marriage. Perpetual prayer about that husband. Perpetual prayer about that wife. Perpetual prayer about those children. Perpetual prayer about those finances, that business, that ministry, that construction project, that vision. Perpetual prayer about the saints having a winning season next year. We really need to pray about that. Perpetual, constant, continual prayer. On Monday, keep asking. On Tuesday, keep asking. On Wednesday, keep asking. Thursday, keep asking. Friday, on Saturday, and yes, on Sunday, keep asking God. January through December, keep asking God until you receive your answer from God. Parents, has this ever happened to you? You're in a grocery store with your child your, or your grandchild, and that's one of the worst things we can do is bring our children or grandchildren to the grocery store with us. Because once they pass that candy out, that's it. Mama, mama. Can I get some guy? No, boy. My mama, mama, mama. Please, boy, no. Mama, mama. Boy, I told you. To. And then everybody started looking at Why she looking at that boy? Mama, mama, kiss you. And then he's like, okay, boy, get, go get it, go get it, go get it. Not because she wanted him to get it, but because that little child was persistently asking that parent for that candy. And like man of my brothers and my sisters, no matter what the devil says, we can't give up on God. No matter what the devil puts in your mind, we can't give up on God. No matter what the devil says, we can't give up on our prayer life. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Why? Because the Bible says everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, a door shall be opened. So let me encourage you on the strength of the ministry reflections of Pastor David Crotch and on the strength of things that you need to be done in your life. Let's go into our prayer closet and let's pray. And let's pray knowing that we can get an answer from God when our prayers are peculiar, when our prayers are persistent, and when our prayers are perpetual. I love the way the songwriter said, when the songwriter said, what a friend we have in Jesus. All of our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry. Not just something, but everything to God in prayer. Oh, with peace we often forfeit. Oh, with needless pains we bear. And it's all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. And we thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to call on your wonderful name in prayer. God, I pray right now for every believer in this place, every Christian in this place, every child of God in this place. Then God, I pray for those who may be here this morning that don't have a relationship with you. 
I pray, God, that on the strength of the music and on the strength of the message, they may want to know you as Lord and Savior of their lives. And then, God, I pray for the construction project here at First Baptist, the construction project at Franklin Avenue Baptist Church, and I pray that the members of both First Baptist and Franklin Avenue will never forget to call on your name in prayer because you say everyone who asks shall receive. Everyone who seeks shall find. Everyone that knocks, the door shall be open to them. And we be careful, God, to give your name all the praise, all of the glory and all of the honor for all that you've done, what you're doing right now, and what you promise you will continue to do in Jesus' name. God bless y'all. I love y'all. Thank y'all for letting me be here.